There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning in to the Wednesday edition of the podcast. We certainly are thankful for each of you that tune in and listen each and every day. We'd like to welcome you if you're new to the podcast. I pray the podcast is a help and it's a blessing to you. And we are on here each and every day, weekday, that is, Monday through Friday, on the Daily Doctrine Devotional. And uh, this Sunday, I want to announce, we'll be at the Dublin Mills Community Church in Dublin Mills, Pennsylvania. I've been a longtime friends of the McVeigh family. We thank God for Pastor Holler and the folks at the church there. Looking forward to the services. The following two Sundays, we'll be over in Mont Alto Bible Baptist Church. That's in Mont Alto, Pennsylvania. And they rent the pavilion at the park, do some outdoor public ministry. And we'll be there preaching both in the morning and evening. The second Sunday, we'll be joined with Brother Dale Morey. And we certainly look forward to preaching with Brother Morey once again. What a blessing that is that he'll be with us. And in future days, we'll have announcements concerning Vacation Bible School over in Blaine with Brother Morey. And so we're looking forward to what the Lord is going to do in these days. As we're on the podcast today, we're going to be back in Job 36 once again. This is Elihu's response to Job. And Job has proclaimed himself righteous. And Elihu is reproving him. Elihu has already reproved Job's friends, who were miserable comforters. Job told us that early on in the book. But Elihu is reproving them as well. But he speaks on this wise when he says, Because there is wrath, beware lest he take thee away with his stroke, then a great ransom cannot deliver thee. And there is a sin unto death. I do not pray that you should pray for it. But there is a sin unto death. And there's a lot of folks that don't remember that. A lot of folks don't think about that. And yet every day there are people that die because they're out of sorts with God. They're not right with God. There are sinners that die. They cross that deadline with God. J. Harold Smith was the most notorious of those preachers preaching God's three deadlines. I mean, notorious in the sense of his message. But yet there is a great deadline with God. And you cross that deadline, there is no hope for you. Well, so it is with the child of God, that one that will not be obedient, that one that will not submit, that one that will not take heed to the words of God, and most of the time it's defense of their carnal being. And I've been there as a Christian, when I can defend my carnal being, defend my pride, defend my covetousness, defend my absolute denial of the word of God and my own carnal self. And it's so displeasing to God. It's a miracle that God lets any of us live through that. But yet he is long suffering to his children. He will chasten his children. He will scourge his children. You're not going to get away with that for long. But when you don't respond to that chastening, you don't respond to those hospital visits. You don't respond to those car accidents. You don't respond to those blow-ups and those problems. Then God has no choice but to pour out his wrath upon us because we've disobeyed him. And what father is going to let his child destroy himself without pouring out his wrath? So it is with our heavenly father. And he goes on, he speaks in this because he takes, does he take thee away with his stroke? Then a great ransom cannot deliver thee. Will he esteem thy riches? No, not gold, nor all the forces of strength. 
So God's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't care how much money you have. He doesn't care whether you're standing in the community. He doesn't care whether you voted for Donald Trump or Joe Biden. He doesn't care uh, what your position is down at the community club. He doesn't care what your position is in the American Legion. He doesn't care that you're the president of this club and the vice president of this. And you have all these labors and all these ministries. God is not concerned about those things. You're not going to stop God in the day of disobedience. He said, desire not the night when people are cut off in their place. And so don't look for the night. Don't look for that rest in the night because when you're self-righteous, you're in danger. Why would you look forward to rest when God cuts people off in their sleep? No, many persons died in their sleep. They just never woke up. And that's what he's speaking of here. And so if you're self-righteous and you've been a hypocrite, you've never been right with God, you ought to fear sleep. There ought to be no comfort and rest. There ought to be no comfort when you put your head upon your pillow. There ought to be a fear of God. And might I say, that's any of us, not just the self-righteous, the hypocrite. That's any of us out of sorts with God. That's any of us who's disobeyed God. And God gives that night season sometimes of wakefulness. And God gives that night season for us to reconcile things with him. God gives us sleepless nights so that we can uh, grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He'll give us sleepless nights to try to restore us. And yet those folks that say, well, I want to lay my head on my pillow and get rest, but they're not right with God. What a fearful thing. What a terrible thing to so discredit God and let that wrath come upon you and that disobedience come upon you. And God has to deal with you as one of his children. And what an awful thing. I love that statement. He's a people are cut off in their place. Take heed. Regard not iniquity. For this hast thou chosen rather than affliction. There's a lot of folks that are choosing out iniquity rather than affliction. One of the things about fasting that's been heavily mentioned even recently in the ministries I've been around is fasting. And fasting does bring an affliction. And there's folks that will not fast because they don't want that affliction. They'd rather have iniquity. They'd rather just go ahead and continue on in their ways, continue on in their oppression, continue on in their sin, rather than fast, rather than let God take those things from them. Behold, God hath exalted by his power, who teacheth like him. God is the great instructor, but we got to hear his voice. We have to know his marvelous works, his wonderful works. It's amazing how many people are sickly in church and afflicted in church and peculiar things and odd things. And I don't know how many people we pray for. The doctors just don't know what's going on. The doctors are so confused. They have no idea what's transpired. They have no idea to help these people. And they come to church, and I hear prayer requests all the time. Please help so They have no idea what's going on. Please help so And this goes on and on and on. Not every one of those people is under the wrath of God, but many of them are. Because he told us that many among you are sick. Some even sleep. Some have died. Why? Because they've not considered that blood of Jesus Christ. They've trotted underfoot. They've lived their way. They've continued on taking that cup of the Lord. And they've been no more right with God than Adolf Hitler was right with God. But yet they're righteous. Yet they're righteous in their own being. They're self-righteous in their own thoughts of themselves. They're malignant towards others, but they're towards themselves. They're righteous. I've said many times, as folks I know, they're going to use the porta potty. And when they use the porta potty, they think they leave. And the porta potty's better off for them having visited. And what a vile thing. What a reprehensible thing. They can't realize what's coming out of them. They don't realize that that's the fruit of what they took in. And what's pouring out of them is filth. What's pouring out of them is wretched. What's pouring out of them is vile. And can I say to you, my friend, a lot of times what comes out of me is vile. I'm talking about the front and the back. It's a vile thing. It's an offensive thing. It's a terrible thing. And and to give no consideration to that, why is this putrefying filth coming out of my mouth? Why is discord coming out of my lips? Why is vileness coming out of my lips? 
Why am I showing my pride with my lips and to never consider that as to be in danger with God? To never consider that as to be in a place with God that we're in trouble because we've chosen this iniquity. Bill, God exalteth by his power. Who teacheth like him? Who's going to instruct us like God does? Who hath enjoined him his way? Or who can say thou hast wrought iniquity? You're going to say that to God? You're going to tell God that this is his fault? You tell God your actions are his fault? He's been a lousy father to you? And yet you live in disobedience and you live as an affront to him and a shame and a reproach to the people of God, a shame and reproach to the work of God. He said, remember that thou magnify his work, which men behold. And that's something we need to remember. If we're going to preach that, we need to just preach that with integrity. We ought to magnify the work of God that men behold. We ought to magnify him, again, to make him appear larger. Men see him so minuscule and so small. They don't see us living lives that are complementary to the work of God, let alone magnify the word of God. They don't see that. And sometimes it's just the very basic things. Sometimes it's so simple. I, again, I've said on this podcast, said many times, I've been around great men of God in my life. I had the privilege to preach with some of the great preachers of yesteryear, some of the great preachers of the last 20 years. And I've been around some of those men and ate at their tables and been in meetings with them and had time in the vehicles with them and spent time around what a blessing that's been in my life. But one thing was consistent in their lives. They magnified the Lord with their life. There was not a time that they were not ready to give an account of that that faith that's in them and tell others of that joy that's within them and to do good unto all men. And I watched those men and learned from those men. They were good to people. They were kind to people. They helped people. And one of the things when I say kind to people, I mean when they saw people that were afflicted, when they saw people wounded, when they saw people hurting, they taught me to just consider them, to have compassion upon them, to help them with their needs. I've stood in the grocery store line and watched preachers buy groceries for mothers carrying screaming children. I've watched them try to be a help, and I've watched them mop the floor. I watched a preacher mop a floor one time. A young lady was having a breakdown, just an absolute nervous breakdown. We go to a pizza place 9.30 at night in the middle of nowhere in North Georgia, and this young lady's just having a nervous breakdown. She's in tears, and that man of God got up and 70-some years old and grabbed the mop bucket and grabbed the mop and said, young, young lady, just go sit down. I got that. And he mopped the entire restaurant. Well, the rest of us sat by and watched. And we watched that man of God be an example. It wasn't a show of the flesh. He wanted to be a help. He wanted to be a blessing. He was considering others. I thank God I was around those men. They magnified the work of God. They magnified what God should be in people's lives. They magnified to me what God could do. Behold, God is great. We know him not. Neither can the number of his years be searched out. For he maketh small the drops of water. He said, they pour down rain according to the vapor thereof, which the clouds do drop and distill upon man abundantly. What does that mean? You go outside and you say, I felt what? A drop of rain. What's following that? Thousands of drops of rain, millions of drops of rains. Each one of those is distilled individually by a holy God. He knows where every raindrop is because he knows where that seed is. He knows where that seed is that needs the rain. We read of the flooding up there in Vermont and upstate New York and New Hampshire and just horrific flooding. I mean, one of those once a century floods, you realize it started with one raindrop. And God distilled it abundantly upon the face of the earth. That distillation, by the way, is one drop at a time. To distill is to put out one drop. The condensation that comes out of those clouds forms raindrops. And God knows every raindrop, one drop at a time, upon the face of the earth. Also, can any understand the spread of the clouds and the noise of his tabernacle? Can you tell me how that cloud is hung in the heavens and God binds up that cloud that it rend not? 
Can you tell me how God distills raindrops out of that cloud? I know science explains it. There's the laws of condensation. I can understand that. And I, and I realize that's exactly what's taking place. The law of evaporation. He called up the water from the seas, Amos 9. And then he puts it in the thick clouds. That's in Job that they rend not. And then he distills it abundantly upon the face of the earth. I can kind of understand that scientifically, but I can't wrap my mind around how God distills all those drops of rain exactly where he wants them to go, exactly where they need to be. And then the spread of the clouds, the noise of his tabernacle, the thunder, the lightning, all of those things in conjunction with that. I can't begin to wrap my mind about that because God is so mighty. God is so powerful. Men see him as so weak and men see him as so minuscule that he can't fix people's problems. They murmur and they complain and they grow and they grumble about everything as though God's gone out of business and they murmur about all the things they've come sorted as though God has failed them. And that's why men have such a small idea of God. They see people that name the name of Christ and they grumble about every little gripey little thing and every little whiny thing in their life and every little pain and every little affliction. No wonder people think God's so small. No wonder people think God's so weak. God can't do anything according to the saints of God today. This faithless generation, this perverse generation. Verse 30, behold, he spreadeth his light upon it and covereth the bottom of the sea. Glory to God. That's the almighty God. That's the power of God. For by them judgeth he the people, he giveth meat in abundance. That's the work of God. It is God's job to provide meat for man. With clouds he covereth the light, and commandeth it not to shine by the cloud that cometh betwixt. That's where he separated light from dark. He used those thick clouds, those clouds which are his chariot, that cloud that he drew across his throne, that cloud that he hid himself from man in. God's commanded that cloud to cover the light, and therefore we cannot come to him but by his son, Jesus Christ, to that light. And he says, the noise thereof showeth concerning it, the cattle also concerning the vapor. When you see that God distills this upon the ground, he giveth meat to the eater. He giveth crops to the cattle. The cattle understand that God provides for them. Yet men don't understand that. They think it's the work of their hands. They think it's the work that they've done. They think it's the righteousness that they perform. Yet it's been almighty God himself that's done that marvelous work. My friend, if we take lessons from Job, take them from Elihu. Listen to this young man. Listen to what he has to say. And my friend, if God has revealed something in your life where you've fallen short and you've let people down, and more than anything else, you've failed a holy God, and you've not magnified him, won't you just make that change? Just make that real simple correction. Begin to magnify the Lord in your life. Thank you once again for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow, Lord willing, to begin chapter 37. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, you have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, 
And we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption falleth not. Now the angels of God are rejoicing For the prodigal child has come home And the saints all with gladness are singing The glorious song of the redeemed